Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. <laughs> That's right. That's good enough. <laughs> oh boy. Let's dive in. Introducing Manisha from Netflix's Indian Matchmaking. She's looking for a common bond, but she might need to break out of her mold. Manisha, welcome. Oh my God. So you hit a deer last week? I know. It's been like, yeah, a week from hell, actually. This week has been really bad. I live in North Carolina and it's not common for there to be deer, you know, crossing back roads. This was a highway, though, so that's why it was, like, so, yeah. So needless to say, like, when it happened, it just, I'm, like, such an animal lover, too. Like, I'm the driver that, like, stops in the middle of the road and picks up the turtle and helps the turtle, like, cross the highway or takes the turtle to a lake. Yeah, so it was just really just shitty all the way around, but (laughs) hopefully something good can come out of it. I don't know yet. I can't find the silver lining yet. I try to find the silver lining in most places, but I guess the silver lining I should say is that we're all okay. It was just mentally a lot. Did it total your car? Yeah. It just Insurance just called me actually last night that the car's totaled. So yeah, I mean, the car took the, well, and the deer took the brunt of the impact. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Well, I am glad that you're okay though. Yeah. Thanks. Same. Same here. That is like a heart attack moment. I know, I know. <laughs> it was a it was a lot, so. Was your mom like freaked out? I think I was the most freaked out, to be honest with you. But yeah, it was all, it was just a lot for like everybody. I would love you to describe Indian matchmaking for people that didn't see the show. Yeah, I think for people that didn't see the show, it's a modern, I would say take on what I guess an arranged marriage would look like and I say that word cautiously because typically people hear the word arranged marriage and they think oh you don't meet until your wedding day and perhaps that was the case but at least in my family for generations like it's never been that way it's been sort of a you know it's just an arrangement between like they met because of an arrangement the two people that are getting married so yeah, I mean, I think that that's how I would describe it to somebody with that little asterisk about what, what an arranged marriage is. I'm curious, how did you get involved? Like, I, I don't mean that in, a, in an offensive way. One, I, I wanted to know, like, Rena is a very Indian meme. So are there any Indian, like, in your Indian roots in your... It's also Hebrew. Yeah, so... Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, so my name means joy in English, and that's my middle name, so in case I didn't, you know, in case I forgot, (laughs) my my parents (laughs) gave me it twice. Aw, well, that's good. Being joyful is never a bad thing. But yeah, I, I also am just curious because I know, like, when we, you know, all of us, like, were filming and, like, all the production was happening through the show... It was called the Indian Matchmaking Project. And we were always told like, oh, it'll come up with, you know, we'll come up with a different title when we're ready to, to release the show. And then they told us like a few months before like, the show's really releasing in July. And then I think the month before they called us and said, okay, we're, you know, we're set for July 16th. And I was like, oh, cool. What's it going to be called? And they're like, Indian Matchmaking. And I was like, what? 
<laughs> because like all they did was drop the word the and project and like kept the name of the show. I'm sure there was like a reason for that. And I feel like it, it is the concepts that come up from the show and like a lot of the conversations that have happened as a result of the show far surpass just Indian people. But, you know, relationships are universal. Love is universal. Marriage is universal. Right? And complications that come with all of those things is definitely universal as well. So, but I'm just curious, like as a non-Indian, like did you get, was it suggested to, to watch the show or like how did you, I guess, come across it? I think I randomly came across it, but what's interesting is there's a lot of arranged marriage in Orthodox Judaism. Yeah, yeah. That's what fascinated me about it. I was like, hmm, let's see what, you know, what it's like for them. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I would say that's very, very accurate. I read this South Asian publication and they did like a really good piece on just like Hinduism and Judaism and how like similar the two cultures are the two religions are as I should say but even just like the the crossover in between the two you know group of people and how much similarities we have so that's really great yeah I definitely felt similarities and I haven't like been religious most of my life but Mm. once I entered that community I started thinking like would I want this for my children and I'm not even honestly Mm. sure yeah have you had thoughts about what you want your household to look like? Like, what do you think marriage is going to be like? Just with your background, you can probably relate. It's something I want to do once and, you know, commit to for the rest of my life. And so, yeah, I would say just any sort of healthy partnership. And I think that involves a number of different things, you know, including good communication, mutual understanding, respect, but all the, I guess, tenets of like what it takes to be in a, in a healthy partnership. I think when I think about marriage, I often think about my own parents and something that was not shown on the show, but I have discussed in interviews since is that my parents actually had a love marriage. So they were neighbors in New Delhi. They fell in love. They come from two different, my mom is Punjabi Indian and my father is Bengali Indian. So they come from two different sort of backgrounds within India and neither one of their families wanted them to get married. Yeah, they sustained a long-distance five-year relationship in a pre-Zoom, pre-FaceTime, pre-internet, I should even say, era, and got married. So I think like that's often the first thing that comes to mind when I think of marriage. I think that might be better. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Comparing love marriage and arranged marriage, is that what you're saying? Yeah. I think each one has its own sort of benefit. To me, if I had to pick, I would say an arrangement in which we fall in love. So some sort of a, you know, combination, I guess, of the two. And the arrangement doesn't necessarily have to be through matchmaker, although I'm not opposed to the idea of that. Um, But clearly. (laughs) But I think, you know, the arrangement can be through anybody. You know, I grew up in the United States. And a lot of people, when they found out I went this route, said, well, that's like, really not what we thought, you know, you would do because you're so American or you're so Westernized. And while I am, I think I have a good blend actually of both like Eastern and Western sort of influences in my own life. But while I am very Western in in certain aspects of my thoughts, I don't see how using a matchmaker is that different from downloading Bumble or Tinder or, you know, other dating apps that people might use to meet states. Like I don't, you know, a matchmaker I feel like is almost savvier version of, of, you know, one of the dating apps because there's an investment, right? Like if you're 
typically if you're using a matchmaker, there's some sort of a fee associated with it. And, you know, in a normal situation, both people are investing into that arrangement and the matchmaker, you know, that just kind of shows your level of commitment. Whereas downloading an app is especially, you know, if it's a free dating app, I know all of them have like their own perks for it, but if you're downloading a free dating app, what commitment do you have, you know, to keep talking to the person you can very easily ghost a person, which has happened several times to me on these dating apps, you know? So yeah, I think I, I would almost disagree with that sort of assessment of using a matchmaker and it being like archaic or non-Western or anything like that. I think it's actually, you know, it's fine to be one if, if that's what suits you. Does a matchmaker do any background searching? I can say for the show, definitely. We all had to go through extensive background checks extensive psychological exams too just to because we were about to go on television you know so they need to make sure of certain things I have not used a matchmaker outside of SEMA so you know I am not 100% well versed on what they do but I would imagine they would do some sort of a you know not necessarily like a background criminal investigation like when you're getting a job but I imagine they do something to say like hey what you're saying checks out to be true which is also you know you can very easily pretend to be somebody you're not on the internet right so easy to take somebody else's picture or make up facts about yourself and and lie um you know about who you are as a person whereas I think with a matchmaker again like you you probably could do all those things but you would get caught much quicker and people would you know your your reputation would be much more at risk than say maybe an online dating app I think they're more superficial too yeah absolutely because you're given like what I know with I'm on Bumble, I'm on Hinge, I'm on a South Asian specific one called Bill Mill, which is, it translates to like two hearts meeting, you know, so I'm on a fair number of dating apps, but the first thing you see on those dating apps is the photo, right? I take the time to go through and read the profile and and understand the person and try to, you know, get to know them because I think dating and relationships during a pandemic is challenging. And so, you know, online has become a more popular way to meet people. Have you met anyone since the show? I have met a couple people, but nothing has, I'm still single to answer your question, but nothing has, you know, come of that. But yeah, I've, I've talked to a couple of people that had some potential, but, you know, it didn't materialize the way I had hoped. So. Have people sent you people? Yeah, um, I'm still getting set up here and there. You know, the other thing, I was just talking about this too. I did another podcast not too long ago with someone locally here in North Carolina. And she was saying like, what's dating like since the show? And honestly, I feel like it's become a little bit of a challenge because people think I don't have like anything about Indian matchmaking on any of my bios on on these dating apps. But people that have seen the show, especially South Asian guys, so they'll you know, turn around and, and be like, oh yeah, were you on Indian matchmaking? I recognize you or things like that. And then I think they, they think they know everything they need to know about me because I was on a TV show for 15 minutes. And <laughs> that's not necessarily the case, right? Like I just shared earlier something that was not on the television show about me. And I think there's so much more to all of us, not just me, but there's so much more to all of us than what the show portrayed, right? We're each so much more, more than the television show. So Tell me the so much more. <laughs> uh, well, see, you know, for example, like I've been extremely involved in the election. I um, worked for a grassroots volunteer organization that was a part of the Biden-Harris campaign called South Asians for Biden. I was the co-director for that in the state of North Carolina. So 
you know, I am so politically active. I was even before the show came out, but the show gave me a unique voice and a platform. And for that, I'm extremely privileged and grateful. Like suddenly people, I mean, I don't think I would have met you had it not been for the show, right? So suddenly people all over the world really knew who I was. And to be able to use that, I would say each of us, for the most part, have used our voice in such a positive, impactful way, especially with the election. I know several of us, by me twisting arms and whatnot, but, you know, we all made a South Asians for Biden election video because we realized, you know, our voice, whether we like it or not, you know, overnight we became sort of influencers and people that, especially the South Asian community, really looked up to. And, you know, I think to be able to use your voice in a positive way speaks volumes about who we are. And that, you know, wasn't shown on the show. Now, so many things I feel like I've talked to everyone from the show since the show came out, but, you know, friendships have, of course, formed as well. And I think just even like, there's just so much that we have learned about each other as individuals that, you know, I think is really, really special that, again, I don't think I would have met any of them had it not been for the show as well. So. I actually watched that video of you collaborating with a bunch of people for the oh, yeah. video. <laughs> I thought it was so cute. I yeah. didn't know that Vinny had gotten COVID. Yeah, Vinay had COVID early on, actually, when I think COVID first started to like March, and he had like all the symptoms and, and yeah, was was very lucky to have care like we do in the United States and was you know, able to fight back and, and is now doing really well. His testimony, like in the video, spoke to me the most because I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. like he almost sounded like he was still getting over it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's something that definitely will impact your life, right? This pandemic has been, it's literally turned our lives upside down, right? None of us, I think, anticipated what this pandemic could do and, and still doing, right? Like, I don't know. You're in California, right, I believe? I'm actually in Chicago, but I was thinking oh, that okay. I'm a mom of four and... I went from working full-time to part-time to nights to whenever I can work, you know? Yeah, my work is now completely remote, you know, with plans to go back soon. But with it just being the way, it's, I mean, it's literally taken over our lives and the way we've done things. Like, I haven't seen family. I live with my parents and my sister, thankfully, who lives in New York City, has been able to work from home. But yeah, I haven't seen family, friends. I haven't seen my expensive family in India in forever because there's no way to travel there. We saw them, unfortunately, we had a death in the family and we were able to go there in January. But yeah, that was the last I saw them. And for all of us, I think even no matter where, what stage of life you're in, like you could be a student and COVID has affected you. You could be retired and COVID has affected you, you know. I'm also an occupational therapist and I see patients still on the side of my job as a, I work at a research institute as a project manager, but when I see patients, I hadn't seen patients for a long time because many of the nursing homes were not allowing, you know, people to come in and out. But when I see patients in the nursing home, like it breaks my heart because many of them aren't able to see their family members because of COVID. So I feel like no matter what stage of life you're in, again, like this pandemic didn't care, right? You could be the richest person in the world. You could be the president of the United States. I mean, you could get COVID no matter what. So it's definitely, I think, given each of us some pause and appreciation for good health, things that we probably often would take for granted, like time with our family and our loved ones. When we decided that, you know, several of us were going to make this video, you know, we were all going to speak about different 
aspects of why we supported Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And Vinay, it just, it, you know, it was fit because he had gone through um, COVID so intimately. So, Were there any cast members that didn't want to participate? <laughs> I don't know that they didn't want to participate, but I mean, it was open to everyone. And, you know, all of us have been extremely, I think, busy because none of us, I'll say this, I think, as a fact, none of us anticipated the show to take off the way it did globally, right? From the cast in India to all of us in the United States. I mean, we were not expecting the show to just do this well, and it did, for better, <laughs> for worse. Um, I think for better because, you know, the, the team worked really hard on putting the show together. It brought to light many conversations that needed to be had, you know, and are continuing to, to take place even today, right? So I think that, you know, the show has done phenomenally well. And as a result, each of us have just had competing priorities. But yeah, I mean, the, the people that were in the video, you know, took out time from their day and did it. And it was just, I mean, it, it meant the world to me that they would do that because I, of course, you know, I'm, I was involved with the campaign on a, on a very personal level. They didn't have to do that. And they, you know, they did. So it was very, very kind of them. That's so awesome. Do you think you'll collaborate yeah. with them again in the future? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would love to. Like I was saying, I mean, I think we've all formed friendships to some degree as well. Vyasar actually is is a close friend still even to this day. Vyasar, Shaker, Aparna, and I actually did a panel session, a live panel session for my workplace's employee resource group. They, did, they have an Asian American employee resource group. And they had asked me if I would be on the panel. And I said, sure, but, you know, I think it'd be great to hear the perspective of other people on the show as well and not just mine. They said, great, do you think you can do it? And, I mean, I just asked the author, Shea Barna, and they all agreed without a doubt, like without a, you know, second thought. And so I think definitely I would love to collaborate more with them. We're all doing such exciting things and exciting work and meaningful work. And so, yeah, collaborating with them, I think is, it makes sense. We all did something unique together. We didn't know each other when we were, I mean, obviously I knew the author, but that was the only person I knew from the show. And then all these friendships have really formed, I would say, after the show was released, when we, when we watched each other's stories and when we realized, wow, all of us are still single and, you know, <laughs> we can, you know, bond over this shared experience that we had. So yeah, I would love to do more work with them. They're all really great people, so. Can you tell me about some of what you've learned outside of the show about them? Like the meaningful work that they're yeah. doing? I can start with Aparna. She is an entrepreneur outside of the show, right? Like or that was something that was not shown on the show, right? She has her own business. And I think that's phenomenal just as a, a female to be able to do something like that. You know, in addition to being a lawyer, she's also doing such great personal work that she's, you know, vested in. Um, and it's great to always see like a female entrepreneur. I'm just extremely motivated by that. I think Vinay is doing some great work as well. We've actually become very close friends. And um, Shaker, of course, is, is also an attorney doing very, very meaningful work. He owns his own firm, which we did know on the show, but just, you know, the kind of work that he does and the, and the way all of us, I think, are invested in making the world a better place, right? Guru, who is also an attorney in New York, he's doing really, really, really meaningful work. He is a stand-up comedian on the side. He actually did like a, um, yeah, he's really funny. And he did a Zoom show 
He actually wrote a really great piece. This is a shameless plug for him, but he wrote a really great piece in Huffington Post about his experience on the show. And yeah, if you haven't, I mean, since you watch the show and kind of have gotten to know us on a very, you know, uh, surface level, it's a great piece. I'm just going to tell you, like, you should read that. I mean, I feel like we all just have these you know, unique things about us that, again, we were on a television show that while it did, you know, show a lot about who we were, there was still, there's still more to us, right? So um, those are all things that I learned about each of these lovely people sort of after, after the show came out. How did you feel when the cameras were rolling? Did it light you up or did it make you nervous? I think at first it does make you nervous, right? There's, you know, you're, I've never been mic'd up. So like the mic was put inside you know, my shirt and like, I've never had that happen before. <laughs> so it was very, you know, it was a new experience. So anything, you know, you do for the first time, I think it, there's some nervousness associated with it. But very quickly, I felt like, especially, you know, we filmed, the bulk of my filming was done in Austin and we filmed in the hotel room, you know, my mom and I, and then we went to the author's house and filmed there. And I think very quickly, like the author just made, took off the edge and like, made us feel super comfortable just by being himself and engaging us in conversation and things like that. So yeah, I think it wasn't hard for like us to forget really that the cameras were there. They kept saying that, you know, pretend we're not here, pretend we're not here. And the only time that would say to the other thing, the only time they really stopped the cameras because of a lighting issue or because they didn't hear something properly. It wasn't like, oh, we want you to say this instead of this, right? So there wasn't like, what I imagine being an actress or on a television show or a movie that is being filmed for those purposes, right? This is a docu-series. So something filmed for like a television show or entertainment purposes. I imagine they do takes. I imagine they do, you know, rehearsals and things like that. There was no rehearsal. There was no takes. It was just for filming, right? And we're going to just, you guys just have conversations. And, you know, they picked things from those, that conversation that suited the narrative that they wanted the show to tell. To answer your question, like, it was very easy after the first, I would say, like, initial public five, 10 minutes to just forget that they were there. Do you still keep in touch with Seema? Like, are you part of her network now? I chatted with her. <laughs> I think I'm part of her network. I've chatted with her a few times since, just me being, by virtue of me being in the United States, and sort of, you know, the things that have happened in my life as a result. Like, my own, like, I've done interviews since the show came out, especially at the beginning. They were happening, like, almost every week. I worked full time. And then in August, I took on the role of, you know, co-director for North Carolina State for the Southeastern for Biden. So that completely ate up any free time that I had. So kind of everything up until Tuesday night was scheduled was like jam packed. And so now it feels like I have time to breathe again. You know, I have time to sort of regroup and do things that I didn't have a lot of time to do. I saw that you were a fan of Bollywood and had Bollywood dreams. Have you tried to leverage <laughs> the show to get involved? I haven't. I think those are childhood dreams. They still are, right? To be in a Bollywood movie would be amazing. You know, the show for me was so much more than entertainment, value, whatever you want to say, like associated with it. But for me, like I went on the show to find love. And that was my purpose of going on, on the television show. So yeah, I mean, I haven't leveraged it in that sense, but I would not turn down an opportunity if it came up. So Bollywood, if you're listening, or Bollywood directors, if you're listening, reach out. You said that you've been like jam-packed with opportunities. Can you talk about some of those opportunities? 
Yeah, yeah. So I've done a lot of interviews, various podcasts, a lot of relationship podcasts. I've done some local stuff. We have um, an NPR, you know, state station. So I was on, like, a sh- it's a show called The State of Things. So I was on that. I've been in various magazine features as well online. And then South Asians for Biden came up because of the show. So people, I think somebody saw me on, one of my mom's friends saw me on the show and shared, you know, South Asians for Biden with me and said, I think you'd be really good. You know, you're so political. People kind of know you from the show. Why not, you know, use that for like a good cause? So that that was like, I think the biggest and most exciting thing for me that's happened. You know, I think this has been sort of a time of reckoning in the United States. And, you know, this show brought to light some of those conversations within the South Asian community, too. As a country, I feel like we have a lot of work to do. And as a demographic as well, we've never been more divided. We've never been, this election was a clear message that we have a lot of work to do as human beings. I'm not even talking about Democrats, Republicans. I don't care. Like, as human beings, we have a lot of work to do. You could come from a different political background and still sort of agree on some very fundamental issues like racism, like separating children, you know, from their parents, like equal rights, you know, regardless of your gender. I don't know that we're there anymore. I feel like in the last four years and even in the upcoming years, we've gone away from sort of those basic human values. I love that that was a result of the show. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Also, I would love to know your thoughts on casteism. So being that my parents just came from, you know, I was saying earlier that my mom's Punjabi and my dad's Bengali, right? So like, I never heard the word caste in in my household growing up. It just wasn't a word that came up. I did, however, hear it in like social studies class and in, you know, in school, I would hear it a lot, right? So we would learn about sort of the caste system as a part of Indian culture. And I would always do really, like, I'd always scratch my head in confusion because I'd be like, I don't even know what caste am I, you know? So I'd come home and have these conversations with my parents. As I remember, like, as an eight-year-old or nine-year-old, and they are like, why are you asking this question? Like, who's, who's putting this in your head? Because we're not talking about it at home, you know? And then they realized, like, oh, wow, there is this, this part of the education system that's sort of allowing our brains to sort of ask these questions. But yeah, I think my own personal views is, it does exist, most definitely, even today in 2020. I could not disagree with it more. I think I care about who you are as a human, and I think we all need to be, be more like mindful of how people treat each other as humans. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what cast. I still don't know what my cast is, by the way, just FYI. <laughs> like my parents never, never told me, so I have no idea. Uh, what it is. I, I hate that it's used as a defining characteristic of who you are as a person. I think that's what bothers me the most about it. It's such a divisive term and it's such a divisive concept. What <laughs> questions are asked on the South Asian dating site? Oh my God. This is also the one that also asks your skin tone, right? So they want to know whether or not you have, I think it's something like ridiculous, like weedish skin or fair skin or can I curse on this? It's bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, that Um, is crazy. It's funny because I actually met my husband on JDate, which is a Jewish dating site, but it's, oh, it was like popular 13, 15 years ago. (laughs) I think that there's probably, you know, cooler Jewish dating apps now. (laughs) 
but I was a success story and they did send me like swag. Like I have like a J baby bib and like t-shirts and Aww. they did a photo shoot with us. <laughs> yeah. But they asked stuff like, are you Orthodox? Are you conservative? Do you keep Shabbos? What level of kosher? Like, Yeah. Which again, influences who you are as a person, right? Like all of those questions I think are valid questions to ask and they should be asked. But your skin tone, like what does that tell you about me as a person? If you're judging me on my skin tone, I don't want to be matched with you, period. (laughs) I definitely think though that that applies to Jewish matchmaking as well. Unfortunately, there are people from all parts of the world that are Jewish and I think there honestly is some racism going on still. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I wish I wish we lived in a world that we could say isn't racist. But I think that's the other thing that I've realized when George Floyd was murdered earlier this summer and Breonna Taylor was murdered earlier this summer. A lot of people stopped and had conversations and said they were stopping, they were listening, they were trying to understand. They were having conversations around racism. And I've been asking since Tuesday night, did those conversations stop when they went to go cast their vote? Like when, you know, at what point did you, like, I guess, stop remembering what you read and learned? And, you know, I feel like every business possibly sent an email saying, you know, we're, we're having conversations about why Black Lives Matter and why, you know, what what we can do as a company to support that. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm glad that it came to light, but I'm wondering, like, unfortunately, those people and many more, right, those are the two names that I mentioned, but there are obviously very many more cases of explicit racism, you know, let's call it what it is. All those people lose their lives in vain. Were they murdered in vain? Did it, did it just, was it something that we talked about or we posted about and then forgot when you went to cast your vote because that's what, I mean, it shouldn't have been, we should not be in this situation. It shouldn't be this close. It shouldn't be, yeah, we shouldn't be here. Could you date somebody who voted for Trump? Never. (laughs) Never. That is my one deal breaker. I had the opportunity to meet Dr. Biden on Tuesday on election day. Um, Jill Biden came to North Carolina. And it was cool. It was really cool. Oh my God. Um, what was that like? She's, she's so nice. She's so friendly. She gave out like gestures of thank you to a bunch of people. And, and I was one of those people. She's very nice. Even seeing Kamala Harris speak. She's a great speaker and just, I think, offers a lot of hope and, and excitement for what's to come. Oh my God, that is so cool. I'm so glad you got to share that part with me. And when Indian matchmaking came out, did you have like a viewer party? No, because it was, you know, right in the midst of of COVID. Do you think you could marry somebody who's been married before? I think I could, yeah. I don't think I could marry somebody with children, only because I know that their, you know, their mother would be a part of their life forever as they should be. I don't know that I have it in my personality to be able to be a part of that kind of family. I know we're totally coming up on the hour, but I am super curious about like your childhood and your relationship with your parents. Yeah, yeah. I had, I would say like a pretty normal childhood. My parents are my best friends. I love them so much. They're such a big part of who I am as a person. I 
was born in Miami. I lived there till I was 10. I know I shouldn't tell people that's from Florida right now these days. It's like, <laughs> but I was, I lived there till I was 10. And then my family actually moved to the Middle East. From Saudi Arabia, actually, we went, my sister and I both went to boarding school in London. She stayed on for college there and I moved to North Carolina for college. Two years into moving here, I, I remember I was dating this guy um, like my freshman year of college and, you know, I, I cared about him too, but I was so into his family and just like, I think the relationship extended far beyond its shelf life because I loved his parents and his sister and his extended family. And it made me realize, because I'd you know, been in boarding school and then from boarding school came to North Carolina, it just made me realize how much I missed my own family. We traveled to India a lot because my mom really wanted to keep her, you know, my dad's parents died when he was very little. So my mom, you know, parents were my only grand, our only grandparents. And my mom really wanted to keep that connection alive. So I feel like we went there like every summer growing up. Traveling to India really kept that Eastern part of me alive. I had graduated undergrad. I knew I wanted to go to graduate school. And so I took off some time in between to kind of figure out what path I wanted to go on. And I actually stayed in India for four months and worked in a slum community there. So I went to a small town outside of Bombay called Pune, and I volunteered there with this amazing, amazing grassroots organization that worked primarily with sex workers and their children. So yeah, just really meaningful work. And I think those four months really, again, formulated like how I shaped my future and what I wanted to do. So I think if I did move to India, I definitely want my parents and my sister to be like closer than a 18 and a half hour flight, you know? So it would probably involve moving uh, the four of us there. <laughs> wow. I love how close you are with your family. And I have to know a little bit more about working alongside sex workers. I honestly, like, I just did a Google search about this organization and just fell in love with their mission and what they, they do. They primarily work with the children and provide, like, educational and, you know, because a lot of these kids have to work, too. So they provide educational just and um, employment opportunities that are safe, that don't involve any sort of detrimental things to their health or put them in sort of riskier situations. It was an organization that I just felt like I was like, you know, I, when I went there, when I arrived, I like had three organizations I think I looked at overall. And this one was the one that just stuck with me the most and felt like, you know, I could join their mission and really work on, you know, some of the same things they wanted to do. And I remember the director at the time, he since moved on, but he's um, a German guy and just, you know, the kind of the work that he did day in and day out was such an inspiration. It was just so great to see how much he cared about the lives of everyone within that fun community. And it was like an intricate, like well-oiled machine. I feel like the work they did was just so, I mean, I learned more about organizations in those four months and what it means to be successful in those four months than I did probably in, I don't even know, however many years I've been in the workforce. Yeah, what would you say stayed with you from that experience? A number of things. I think the first thing that comes to mind, just again, like I was saying, caring about each other and kind of looking beyond, you know, I think we are so quick to give each other labels and dismiss people because of, you can't 
help sometimes like the work that you have to do is sometimes like you, you need to do it right if you want to provide for your family and you want to provide for your children and so I don't have children but the mothers that I met when I was working there they just taught me so much about sacrificing many of them didn't want to go into sex work but they had to it was a matter of either that or you know my children would starve and I can't see my children starving and so you know just the circumstances that were placed along these women it made me I think realize how fortunate I was you know and how I have this unique opportunity to educate these women still about the importance of being safe when you're doing this kind of work um, keeping their children safe when they're doing this kind of work you know, the importance of educating their children. So I think just, you know, this opportunity to give and bring light. So deep in, in Hindi means light. And the organization was called Deep Graha, which means just bringing light into their world. You want a guy who's wanting to be involved politically? I don't know that he necessarily needs to be involved politically. He needs to care, though, about the world that he's living in. He needs to be ambitious about wanting to make the world a better place, or at least support me in my dreams of wanting to make the world a better place. Does it ask that on Hinge? <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> but I think you can have those conversations. I, that's one thing too. I feel like the show gave me this new perspective on like having difficult conversations with the person that you potentially want to be in a relationship with or that you're in a relationship with. You know, one thing that I got commended for a lot in the show was, you know, Vyasa and I, we're, for all intents and purposes, in a long-distance relationship, right, with me being in North Carolina and him being in Austin. And one thing that we both did, because of the way the relationship started, like, we started off with, I mean, our first time interacting with each other was me walking through his front door into his living room with his grandma, his grandpa, his grandpa, his um, aunt, uncle, cousin, mom, and me and my mom, and a matchmaker. You know, so that was the first time we interacted with each other. So then I feel like that kind of like allowed us to have conversations that I had never had before on a, you know, not a first date necessarily, but, you know, um, that early on in a relationship. I think I was scared to have a lot of those conversations, right? Because a lot of times you're like, oh, I don't want to scare the guy away. You know, I don't want to ask a question that might make him think Otherwise, I say this many times, but my dating history prior to Vyasar was not dating very great guys. And so, you know, I think Vyasar, again, made it just because of who he is as a person, just made it very easy to have those conversations and has given me, in turn, this gift of like the confidence to ask those questions up front, you know? What would be like some uncomfortable conversations that you would love to just knock out from the get-go? <laughs> political views for sure. <laughs> a conversation that Bouncer and I had on the show was about raising children and how we want to raise our children. We had conversations about future goals and plans. And so, you know, I just think having conversations like that would be, I would say, probably some of the ones that are right. needed in order to just, you know, see if the, if the relationship can even sustain itself. You know, and that was where Vyasa and I came to what he called like our natural stopping point too. We realized like there are really fundamental issues that we both had very different views on and that, you know, that kind of put us in this camp of can we sustain a relationship? I remember we actually had um, one conversation where I was like, you know, like I was saying, I haven't dated very nice guys and he is like the exact opposite of, you know, what I had dated previously. He's 
such a nice guy. You met him as well. You were saying, yeah, and he recorded for the show too. So I mean, I you know his personality. So yeah, super and charming. Such and yeah, extremely charming, extremely funny, extremely kind. And so I remember telling him, I don't know if I should end things because I feel like you know there are these big difference like differences between us. But you're so nice. And he was like, well, you can't sustain a relationship on me being nice. You know, like you need, there, there needs to be something more than just he's such a nice guy, you know. That really, I think, spoke volumes to me too. Like, I think it gave me sort of an understanding of like, you know, there needs to be more to a relationship than all those things I think can, you know, especially in the beginning, they're great. But once they run out, like you're left with like who the person is at their core and how they feel about things at their core. And that has to match, right? I think you should ask questions like, are you going to help with dishes when the baby is up all night? <laughs> Who's taking the baby in the morning? <laughs> How old are your kids? I have a 12, 9, 7, and 1. Oh, Who wanted to say hi to me? Are they around? Oh, let me message Celia, my daughter. She watched the whole series with me. Aww. Hold on one second. I'll yell down to her. Hi, how are you? Good. What's your name? Celia. Celia. I heard you're an Indian matchmaking fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was your favorite part of the show? I don't know. <laughs> it was cool. Do you think that you can <laughs> fall in love through an arranged marriage? I don't know. You got a long time to think about it. <laughs> how old are you? I'm... Nine, and I'm going to be 10 in January. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, you still have a very long time to think about marriage and boys and dating. So it was nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Okay. I interrupted a movie that they were watching, and now my 12-year-old is oh, like, you no. ruined everything. Oh. <laughs> she's super shy. She said she was going to be 10 in January, and I was like, you have a, a long time to think about marriage and boys and dating. <laughs> She's three brothers, so yeah, she's Aww. not loving boys right now. <laughs> okay, before I bring the baby, is there anything that you would like to ask my daddy? Yeah, I would love to ask your dad if he has any advice for me in my search for a life partner. Good I'm one. assuming he's seen the show, but if not, then I'm going to ask him to watch Indian matchmaking and then give me some tips on finding love. <laughs> I love that you actually really wanted to find love on the show. Yeah, that was my goal. That was my, I remember, you know, we did a series of interviews with the producers and like the second interview that I had, because they interviewed my, my mom, my dad, my sister, me several times. And on my second interview, I remember asking them and saying, you know, potentially this matchmaker, because we didn't know who the matchmaker was, right? We just knew there was a matchmaker that we'd be working with. And I said, so potentially this matchmaker introduces me to the man of my dreams and we decided to get married. I said, will you show that on the, on the television show? Like that's how my mind was like, this is, I was convinced. I was like, this is how I'm going to meet my life partner. And this is how I'm going to, you know, this is going to be my story. I'm going to just being so like Bollywood dreams and, you know, influenced by romance. I don't know if you've ever seen a Bollywood movie, but they are like romance on steroids because of just how, you know, like that's, a, so that's in my brain, that's what it was. That's how I'm meeting my partner and we're going to get married and it's going to be on Netflix and the entire world is going to watch my wedding. And so yeah, I genuinely went on the television show to find love. 
I love that. That is so cool. It kind of reminds me of like The Bachelor. Like I'm wondering if some of those girls really do want to fall in love and really are hoping that would work. Wow. Reality shows are not 100% reality though. They're not. They're definitely not. There's a lot of editing that happens. It's called TV for a reason, right? Yeah, I worked in TV and I definitely have seen how much they overshoot it just to get a storyline together. Yeah, 100%. Well, what's next for you? I'm going to go back to watching them count ballots (laughs) and um, hope that something gets called soon. And yeah, I mean, we'll see where it goes from there. I think rest is is much needed over these next few months and just kind of regrouping. But I don't really have anything on the docket. Is there anywhere where you would like people to reach out to you or opportunities that you would want? You know, I'm on Instagram, I'm on um, Facebook. Definitely feel free to reach out. I may not respond right away, but I will respond. I'm always open to an opportunity to chat with people. I love making new friends. Yeah, anytime anybody would reach out. You know, I'm on Instagram as love, L-U-V, Manisha. My full name was also released on the show, and that's my Facebook profile. And then I'm also on Twitter as Manisha Boss 83 Yay. Well, shoot me all those and I will put it in yeah, the show notes so people can connect with yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. This has been amazing. Thank you so much, Manisha. Yeah, I'm glad we got to you, connect. Nina. I know. I'm so glad you reached out. Thank you so much. Grandpa, what did you think? This is your interview with Manisha, also from Indian Matchmaking Show. You realize that you know, it's a TV show, a reality show. So, I mean, they want to highlight as much as they can to make it interesting to the audience. But a lot of people do not necessarily reveal things or do things or say things without it, some kind of stage for it to come out on. And yet people should realize that life is a stage in the first place. But unfortunately, we don't really look at it that way. So we keep a lot of things to ourselves. But when you are on camera and when you have people with mics and you're being questioned and there's questionnaires and everybody's digging into different topics, all of a sudden you come out from your shell. Whatever that shell might be or how big it is is not necessarily the issue, but you're going to come out and discuss these issues, especially if it's in a group setting. And uh, that's what makes these shows have a chance to be successful. Did you ever want to be on a dating show? I'm willing to be on any TV show. (laughs) But isn't it interesting also that when you guys are reviewing matchmaking or fix-ups before the TV shows in certain cultures, Orthodox Judaism, people from India, people from many different countries where certain families uh, look out in their best interests and want to, again, have a continuum in their family, and uh, they like certain families or they like certain uh, people's level that they're at, and parents fix their children up. And uh, that still goes on today, as you know. It's very interesting. How do you find someone that you just take a look at them and all of a sudden you're in love? That kind of love, will it really last? Or do you have to really have good communication, certain things that are deeply in common, because the looks, And the idea of of it can wear off pretty fast. And if you want something everlasting, it's very, very, very important that there's a channel of communication that you guys have a way to fall back on 
to, because without good communication and caring and sincerity for your partner, uh, things can break down. And as you know, it's not only in this country, but all over the world, when that communication breaks down, when certain incidents occur in our lives that we don't predict always, uh, can tear relationships apart. And uh, you have to have a great deal of patience for each other and learning and growing with each other and letting each person be able to develop individually as well as as a team together. It's almost like playing a sport in school. You've got individual goals, yes, but if you don't put the team first and put some of your personal idiosyncrasies to the side, you're not going to really win unless you have a good team. I'm sure you weren't thinking about communication when you met mom. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that when I met your mom, we did a lot of communicating, a lot of fighting, as well as having good times together. And the funny part is, is that we knew each other a couple of years before we got married. And uh, the fact is, is that that uh, channel of communication has its pluses and minuses. We certainly, even till today, 45 years later, uh, don't agree on everything. And we have many, many, many differences. But we do have a lot of real common bonds, too. Priorities and certain things that we think we want can change as time goes on, or we experience those things. Having an outline, when you're going to even write a story or a book, that's all it is, is an outline. But filling in the words, filling in your life, doesn't always match 100% the outline. There's a lot of unpredictabilities to life, and certain great things can happen, and certain tragedies can ha happen that you, we, you have to work with your partner to overcome. And if you have strong communication skills with each other, there's a chance that you get through it all. But it's not an easy road. Now, your guest also would like to know, how do I find love? Well, I still think there's some chemistry that's involved where you've got to be able to have some type of physical uh, attraction as well. But you have to have that attraction deep down. You don't have to have 100% the same ideology, but you have to have some connection there because it's just like riding a wave. Sometimes you can fall off. You better be able to find something in your relationship that you know that you can always fall back on because there's certain principles that you both have that are bonded together. But without that, you fall off, you can break. I like that. Today's episode is sponsored by Rin 10 Media. If you want to look and sound your best for a podcast of your own, you want to get in touch with Rin 10 Media. When I first contacted them, Better Call Daddy was just a twinkle in my daddy's eye. And now, only after a couple months in, we're at like 50 episodes. Reach out to info at ren10media.co.za and use the subject line, Better Call Daddy. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Yeah.